welcome to church on Saturday night. If you're here in person or maybe you're watching online, we are thankful that you came to church tonight. Memorial Day weekend. You are here. We are at the beginning of summer. How exciting. Yes? Well, my name's Dan Pound. Our senior pastor, Tom Pound, my older brother, is enjoying a staycation this weekend. I'm sure he's very relaxed and well-deserved. I get the honor of bringing the message at every single service, and I am truly honored. So thank you for coming, although I don't know that you knew what you would be in for tonight. We are in the middle of a series called Empowered, Living Life with the Holy Spirit, and we've been talking about how the Holy Spirit can impact us in our daily lives. And I wanna focus tonight on the idea of hope and hope being empowered by the Holy Spirit. And the main verse that we're gonna look at tonight is Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray again as we move into the ideas of this lesson. Yes. God, we thank you so much for hope, for joy and for peace and for trust, but so much, God, for hope and how being empowered by the Holy Spirit with hope can change the trajectory of our entire lives. Holy Spirit, I ask that you just rest on every single person's heart that is here tonight, that is watching online, every single volunteer that isn't in the room, that can't hear the lesson. God, we thank you for the opportunity to be here and to be worshiping you and learning. In your name, amen. We will be celebrating Memorial Day with a picnic and a cookout immediately after I'm finished preaching. So right after the service, if you're watching online and you live close, you're invited. We want you to come down to the church, come to the back parking lot, enjoy some burgers and some chips and probably some water. If you're here in person, again, right through the back doors, right when I'm done preaching, probably around 9.30, we'll get to eat. <laughs> Just kidding. Probably be like 7.15. Okay, so... We're focused in on hope. And I've got some definitions for you. We're going to start with English first. So the English definition of hope is a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. Gosh, I didn't know Dan would be preaching. I sure hope it's good, right? Hope in the English language. I also have the Greek word for hope, which is what we pull from Romans. And that word is LPs. And it's a similar definition, which makes sense. Expectation and trust. But LPs actually has a little deeper meaning associated with it. And that is confident expectation, which is probably what my mom has. I know Dan will bring a good message, right? Confident. Thank you, mom. Expectation. And I really appreciate the delineation in the Greek word LPs from our word hope. And we'll get into that a little bit more later in the lesson. I feel like 
The word hope is incredibly powerful. And it puts us in a position to achieve things maybe we couldn't otherwise achieve without hope in our lives. But it seems to me in the day and age that we live that unconsciously we're starting to give more power to the word hopeless than we give to the word hope. Or maybe there's an illusion that being hopeless creates power in a negative sense, more power than actually having hope creates. Let me give you an example. Let's say we're working together, right? We're at the office and we're punctual and we're fantastic, so we're first, which means we have to make the coffee. And we're waiting for the coffee to brew and we're just chit-chatting. And then I say to you, you know, my friend is going through a really hard time. He's dealing with a lot of things that are out of his control. And he told me yesterday, he's feeling depressed. But he does have things, he does have hope that things will turn around soon. Now you're probably listening to that and you're thinking, okay, like I got to write these reports and the coffee's coming. Okay, he's got hope. It's a little bit TMI there, Dan, but I'm glad he's got hope. And you're moving on, right? No big deal. But what if I tell you a story like this? My friend is going through a really hard time. He's dealing with a lot of things that are out of his control. He told me yesterday that he's feeling depressed and hopeless, and he might give up soon. It takes a totally different meaning, doesn't it? You're probably thinking, all right, I got to get my coffee and my reports. And wait, wait, what did you just say? Depressed? Hopeless? He might give up? H have you called a hotline yet? Have you, have you contacted a pastor or, or reached out to a counselor? The idea of hopelessness is taking on more power, probably unconsciously, than it should. And maybe, maybe it's because we live in a time where we're faced with seemingly hopeless situations more often than ever before. Maybe for you, you think about our national government and the leaders that are in charge and the decisions that they're making, where we've come and where we're headed. Maybe you think about the next two years or the next five years or where will we be in 10 years or what's it going to be like for my kids. And when you consider all of that, maybe for you, that feels hopeless. Or maybe it's when you're at the gas pump or in the grocery store and you finish and you look at that receipt and you think, how am I going to do this next week or the week after or next month? I can't keep paying for this. And maybe in that situation, you feel hopeless. Or maybe you're struggling with some kind of addiction or you've sinned and you don't know how to get out of it. You don't know how to come back from it. Maybe you've told a lie or, or you've made some bad decisions and you feel like you can't face the person that you've wronged or you can't face God. You feel too ashamed. Maybe you feel completely trapped in that or alone or isolated. Maybe in this moment, because of those decisions, maybe you feel hopeless. The CDC reported 
in 2020 that one out of 10 people in America are diagnosed with depression. That doesn't even count the people that aren't diagnosed. They have another stat that's much, much worse. And it shows that the second leading cause of death in children ages 10 to 14 is suicide. And the World Health Organization also reported in 2020 that globally, suicide is on the rise. All across the world, people feel like they're faced with such a level of hopelessness that they take their own life. Our verse tonight is Romans 15, 13, and I want to read it again. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you have experienced this unconscious level of hopelessness having more power than hope, or maybe you know someone that has or is, it's because they aren't putting their hope in what counts, in what matters, and they're they aren't being empowered by the Holy Spirit for hope. You see, when the Holy Spirit empowers you for hope, for breakthrough, for victory, it doesn't just come in one simple, easy step. I need some hope. Boom. Okay, I'm hopeful. When the Holy Spirit empowers you for hope, in my experience, and what I see throughout the course of the Bible is that it's a four-step encounter. And the first step of that encounter is truth. Now in 2020, I was a victim of fraud. And we suffered a heavy financial loss. And for two weeks, I struggled greatly. I was frustrated. I felt lost with what to do. I felt an extreme level of anxiety and stress. I lost sleep. I'm a highly educated, functional, successful adult, and I help people solve problems daily. And I had no idea where to turn or what to do. I felt hopeless. And near the end of two weeks, the Holy Spirit reminded me of a truth. And it was a truth I already knew, but I had lost sight of it. And that truth is Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. That's the first part of that verse. And I knew that verse and I believe it and I know it's true, but I lost sight of it. And the Holy Spirit empowered me and reminded me of that verse. And that began the process for me to no longer feel hopeless. And the reason that this four-step process has to start with truth is because of what we see in John. John 8, 32, Jesus says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. 
Now, maybe you're believing a lie about yourself or someone else or about God. If you are, you don't know it. That's why you believe it. And the truth can set you free from that lie that's holding you captive. Or maybe you've made some bad decisions and it's put you in a position that you don't know how to fix. Or maybe someone else has done something and it's put you in a bad decision. And I found myself in a place that I didn't know how to get out of, that I didn't know how to fix. What is this financial loss gonna do to our family right now in the moment? What is it gonna do to my family two years from now, 10 years from now? How will I do this? How will I do this? How will I pay for this? I was lost and hopeless for two weeks trying to solve that problem almost 100% on my own. But that first initial encounter reminded me of the truth that God could turn it for good. And then I was able to start on that journey of turning it over to God. God, I give you my stress. I give you my anxiety. I give you my fear. I know you can turn this for good. And that's why the first step is truth. And that brings us to your first fill in the blank. When the Holy Spirit empowers you for breakthrough, truth is revealed. So it starts with truth. Then as you start to fully take on the truth, it could be instantaneous. It could take some time. For me, it was somewhere between three and four days. For Brittany, it was about 24 hours, I think. Super fast. But I'm praying through, God, I give you my stress. I give you my fear. It was about every hour that first day. And then I would take it back on. And then I would give it back. And then the next day, it was a little easier. And then the next day, and by the fourth day, I had fully given it up to God. And peace sets in. Peace is the next step in that encounter. And instead of feeling that stress and that anxiety, and especially that fear, it was such a relief to actually feel peace. And the only way to truly describe that peace to you is to read Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace didn't make sense. It passed understanding. We were still in the middle of the issue. Nothing had been solved yet. The money was still gone. Nothing had been restored. None of our questions had been answered. But we were experiencing this supernatural peace because we had encountered the Holy Spirit and been reminded of the truth that God could turn it for good. We didn't know what that meant yet or how it would look, but we were fully walking in that truth. And the peace didn't make sense. And that brings us to our next fill in the blank. Once the Holy Spirit empowers us with truth, we receive peace and the burden is lifted. So we're in this situation and we're feeling peace and it is fantastic because you've been so trapped by the other emotions and we have truth and we have peace. And then the third step in that process finally is hope. 
When you're being empowered for hope, it's actually the third step in the process. Truth, peace, hope. Now, it took me time to get all the way through truth. But as soon as I arrived, let me tell you, peace and hope came really quickly. Because as you're starting to experience peace, you no longer are thinking, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? What do I need to do? How do I do this? But you begin thinking, God's got this. He's going to take care of it. This is what's going to happen. It's going to be so great. What is he going to do? And then as that burden lifts, you begin to have hope again. Hope for a better tomorrow. Hope for a financial situation that is good, that is positive. Hope came in. And that brings us to your third fill in the blank. These are like rapid fire fill in the blank. Get them in, get them out. Once the Holy Spirit empowers us with truth and peace, we then experience hope. And once you're in that hope stage, then you truly, you're ready to dream again. You're ready to plan again. And you're ready finally to move forward. There's no longer the second guessing, what if I did this? Or how did, what if I changed this? Or my answer was different, or I didn't do this. Or I didn't go here or talk to that person. You're moving forward in God's plan. So you have truth, peace, hope. And the fourth and final stage of the four-step encounter is action. You are ready to take action. Now, sometimes this action stage is obeying, right? God is giving you the actions that he wants you to move forward with. And you obey and you move forward. But sometimes you have spiritual maturity and you know what you need to do. It's common sense or common spiritual sense and it's easy and you move forward with that plan or those actions. And for us, we're in the hope stage and we're like, okay, God, we get it. We're ready to do what you want us to do. I'm no longer scheming, right? I'm no longer asking Google. I'm asking God. Ha, huh, what a concept, Right? And then God starts putting people on our hearts that we already knew. Hey, here's a lawyer. You should go talk to him. Oh, of course, that's our friend. We know him. Great idea. Here's a detective. Go talk to him. Here's the name of a police officer. You know him. And here's the name of a small business owner. Maybe he's been through something similar. God is putting these people on our hearts that we already know. We could have conversation with them. Of course, they were happy and willing to help and really put us in a position to come out right on the other side of that fraud. Your final fill in the blank. Once the Holy Spirit empowers us with truth, peace, and hope, we can move forward with action. But you have to remember, this isn't English language hope. This isn't, oh, I hope Dan finishes on time so I can eat those hot dogs, or I hope I get a good parking place, or I hope it doesn't rain when I'm at the lake. This is LP's level hope. You have confident expectation as you move forward in action, and that action is purposeful. It is efficient. It is successful action because you are empowered by the Holy Spirit, through truth, peace, hope, and then action. Now, 
Again, I've seen this in my life many times. I've seen it in the lives of family members and friends. You see it throughout the Bible. I want to show you what this looks like in the life of Gideon. Now, Gideon is an Old Testament person. He lived before Jesus. And we find the story of Gideon in Judges chapter 6, 7, and 8. You guys were like, whoa, he's already done with all the fill-ins? We're out of here. <laughs> gotcha. So Gideon is in, the, he's in one of the 12 tribes of Israel. He's an Israelite. He's in the tribe of Manasseh. And we actually find Gideon in a moment in history when the Israelites are being oppressed by the Midianites. They're being attacked all the time. Scripture says they moved into the hills, into the caves for fear, and they're trying to hide and protect themselves. And the Midianites are coming all the time, burning their crops, killing their livestock, attacking and oppressing them for years and years. And they live in fear. And we find Gideon at a moment where he's trying to make bread. He's threshing wheat near a wine press. This is an example of what that wine press may have looked like. And he's using the wine press to hide the wheat because he doesn't want the Midianites to find it. He's just hungry. He's trying to make some bread. Living in a very hopeless situation. Now, Gideon didn't have access to the Holy Spirit like we do. When Jesus came and lived a perfect life, and then he died on the cross and rose again. Not only do we get relationship with him because of that, not only do we have access to eternal life, we have access to the Holy Spirit every day. No one before Jesus had that. Now, God could encounter them, of course, if he chose to, but we have the privilege of encountering the Holy Spirit daily. And God chose Gideon, and then Gideon experiences an encounter. And scripture explains that there's some back and forth between God and Gideon. And basically, God's like, hey, Gideon, I want you to save the Israelites. It's a big job, but I'm going to give you victory. And Gideon's like, uh, I think you mean a different Gideon. And God's like, no, you're the only one. You're the guy that I want. And Gideon's like, no, 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 no. Listen, um, and he gives God the Israelite history, which is funny. Be well, obviously God was there, but he's like, listen, my tribe is the weakest tribe of all the Israelites. Of all 12 tribes, we are the weakest. And I am the least in my tribe. You literally picked the least of the least, the weakest man in the entire nation. You could have picked anyone else and they would be a better choice than me. And God's like, Gideon, you're it. And they, they have this, interaction that takes place, a few interactions, a few encounters where God is delivering truth into Gideon and he's building him up. And there's some back and forth, kind of like it took me four days to fully walk out into that truth that God could turn all things for good. It takes Gideon some time, but he gets there eventually. And then he immediately starts to experience some peace for the command that God gave him, the command to build an army. He starts to feel a peace for that and he starts to move in that direction. He has hope that he could thresh wheat 
He could make bread without having to hide it in a wine press. He has hope that they could be delivered from the Midianites. And he starts to recruit an army. Now Gideon struggles a little bit. It's a big task for him. And he, he falters back and forth a little bit. While he's walking forward in peace and hope and action, Gideon does still struggle some with the truth and God continues to pour truth into his life. And then he continues to walk out that peace and hope and action. And he eventually recruits 35,000 men and they're ready to make an attack on the Midianites. And God's like, hey, this is great. Um, you know what? It's actually, it's 32,000 now that I think of it. So scratch that from the live recording. 32,000. And Gideon's ready. And God says, okay, so nice job, but you got too many guys. This victory needs to be a miracle level victory. And I want to make sure that all of Israel knows I'm with them. I need to get credit for this victory so they can see I'm with them and you have too many guys. And Gideon's like, okay, what do you want me to do? I'm ready. Let's do it. And so through a thinning process, Gideon loses so many men, 22,000, all the way down to 10,000 men. And they're still encamped there and they're ready to go in. And then there's another encounter. And through another thinning process, God reduces Gideon's army from 10,000 to 300 men. Now Gideon's starting to feel a little bit afraid himself, right? He's faltering back into that truth stage. But God again encounters him, tells him what to do so that he can be built back up. He follows through in action, in obedience, and he then again has his truth restored. And he feels peace and hope, and he is ready to obey no matter what. So with these 300 men, God gives them a plan to attack 135,000 Midianites. Have you ever felt unequipped for what God has given you? Or ill-prepared? Think about what Gideon was facing. That's a whole nother sermon for a whole nother time. But God gives him very specific instruction. There's some trumpets involved and some circling and some, some candles and some pots. And, and really, they obeyed God to a T. And they were victory. They were victorious. They had breakthrough in that war. He obeyed God despite all odds. And with 300 men, over the course of, the chap of chapter seven and then a little bit into chapter eight, they defeat the Midianites and they're delivered. When I think about my own life, there's one time I will never forget where I encountered the Holy Spirit and experienced breakthrough and victory in a situation where I didn't even know that I needed it. Gideon knew they were being oppressed. Maybe you know situations in your life where you need breakthrough, where you need victory, where you need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. 
or maybe you don't. Maybe there's lies you're believing. Maybe there's other things going on in your life and you don't even know that you need delivered there, that you need hope there. This is a picture of my wife and I, the day that we were married in this room. It's actually May 29th, 2004. So we will celebrate our 19th wedding anniversary on Monday. Thank you. Yes. 19 years, 14 happy ones. <laughs> Brittany will agree. <clears throat> so this story takes place about six months after the day that we're married. And I was 22 when we got married. She was 21. So we're pretty young. I had graduated college, but she was still in her, her senior year of college. And I was working, I was managing a movie rental store. Some of you will know what that is. Some of you will never understand the pure joy of deciding it's movie night and driving to the rental store and picking out the movie, paying $5 as long as you didn't take it back late. Can you imagine trying to explain late fees to a seventh grader? Oh my gosh. Anyway, so I'm at work and I get a phone call and it's my wife of six months. And I'm excited. And she says, I need you to come home right now. But I'm at work and I'm very responsible. And I'm like, babe, I'm really sorry. I'm halfway through my shift. I'll see you in four hours. And then I kid you not, screaming into the phone, Mind your ears, because I will try to mimic this as best I can. She says, well, what good is it being the manager of that place if you can't come home when your wife needs you? Just like that. And then click, right? And it wasn't, uh, it was click. It was 19 years ago. And then I hang up the phone and I think, do I want to go home or do I not want to go home? And I yelled at my employee and I say, hey, I'm going home unexpectedly. I'll probably be back in an hour. He's like, fine. So I go home. It's about 11 minutes away. And I'm thinking about that phone call. And I detected stress on Brittany's voice and I detected urgency. And if you know Brittany today, you know those things are really common. But I also, let's keep that between us. <clears throat> I detected something else on her voice that I really wasn't accustomed to hearing. And that was fear. And then I started to get scared. And I'm driving home and I'm praying and I'm thinking. And then that empowerment of hope starts. And there's an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And he gives me a truth. And he says, Dan, your wife is pregnant. And she is terrified. And then he says, you need to go home and tell her that she is going to be an absolutely amazing mother. And I was all in, but I didn't understand the significance of what was happening. See, part of what attracted me to Brittany was her overwhelming confidence in everything that she did. I didn't know her to be afraid of anything. Although I did know about her past, I didn't know it would impact her in this way. 
See, Brittany was born to a single mom who was 18 years old. And she struggled with drug and alcohol addiction her entire adult life. And Brittany and her twin sister faced physical and verbal abuse their entire childhood. And I didn't know it, and Brittany didn't know it, but she was believing a lie that said, because your mother failed, you will be a failure as a mother. And she didn't know how to deal with the fear of being a mom that fails. And I got to our tiny little apartment that cost $280 a month. And I found her sitting in the stairwell, holding her knees to her chest. And I sat down next to her and I picked her up and I put her in my lap. And she just buried her head into my chest. And I said, God told me that we're going to have a baby. And she immediately put her hands on my shoulders and, and backed away and looked at me right in my eyes. And I looked at her right in hers and I said, and he told me that you will be an absolutely amazing mother. And she burst into tears. And immediately for her, the lie was dispelled because truth had been delivered. It didn't take her days or weeks or months. Some people struggle with that for decades, but she accepted it instantaneously because of the first truth that was given to me, which was, you're going to have a baby. Had I walked in saying, you're going to be a great mom, it wouldn't have had the same impact. She didn't tell me that we were having a baby, but because of the Holy Spirit empowering me for truth, with truth, I was able to give that to her first, which solidified everything that I was saying as directly from God. Because you and I know, I didn't even notice it when she got her hair cut. How, how would I know she's pregnant unless God told me, right? And she immediately then believed the truth to follow, which was you will be an absolute amazing mother. And she smiled as she accepted that truth right in the moment. She experienced peace and hope all at once that she didn't have to repeat the mistakes of her own mother, that she wouldn't be a failure as a mother, that she could step immediately into the promise of God that he delivered right in that moment. And let me tell you, action also started occurring almost instantly. The books that we were reading, the way that we had decorated, where we were living, the conversations we were having, all of those things changed as she sought out to research and find out how to walk out the promise that God gave her in being an amazing mother. Now I know I know there are people watching online and here in this room and you need breakthrough and you need victory. 
you need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit and to walk through these four steps so that you can truly experience hope in some kind of situation that you're in. And I'm guessing some of you know how to start that encounter. You know how to partner with the Holy Spirit or to invite him in to your experience. All of you probably have accidentally experienced the Holy Spirit's presence, whether you knew it or not, during a worship service or maybe during a Bible study, maybe during a community group meeting, or maybe even when a handsome-ish kind of tall younger brother is speaking. But inviting the Holy Spirit into your everyday life allows him to empower you for every conversation that you have, for every interaction that you have with strangers, with coworkers, with classmates, with employees, with bosses, with spouses, with parents, with in-laws. When you invite the Holy Spirit in to every aspect of your life, you give him permission to empower you no matter what you're doing. And we're going to have a prayer team, some prayer team members up here on my left, I hope. I didn't clear this with the prayer team first, so I apologize. If you see, if you're not on the prayer team and you see no one coming up, maybe that's your cue to step in. We're also going to have some prayer team members on my right. If you would like to pray with someone, and pray for the Holy Spirit to empower you. Pray for breakthrough. Pray for victory in a certain situation. Please come up and pray with our prayer team member over here on my left. And you don't have to wait. You can come right now. You can come when we start singing. But let me tell you, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you haven't acknowledged sin in your life, confessed it, repented, and committed your life to Jesus, you don't have access to the Holy Spirit. You don't have access to being empowered like this, daily inviting him in, encountering him on a daily basis. And if you are ready to give up the chains of sin. If you are ready to step into relationship with him and to be able to experience life on a regular daily basis, empowered by the Holy Spirit, please come up here to my right. Get with these prayer team members. I'll be there too. Let us pray for you and help you start that journey tonight. Don't begin your summer hoping for a better parking place. Why don't you LPs this summer into victory?